welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Michael Williams, the founder and president of Altius Financial, and I'm joined by my associate, Taylor McGowan, who is our senior wealth design specialist and has been absolutely fantastic in getting these uh, podcasts up and going. Um, say hi to everybody, Taylor. Hey, everyone. It's, it's Taylor. I'm here. <laughs> now, it's an interesting uh, time we live in. Lots of good news. And today's episode is kind of timely. We're going to talk about making sense of digital currency. We have plenty of clients who've asked and reached out about the cryptocurrency Bitcoin phenomenon as an investment. And so we're going to take this opportunity to kind of break down the history of money and how you've, how we've seen the cryptocurrencies uh, come to be and talk a little bit about specific digital currencies, their purpose, and maybe, you know, whether they're good investments, whether or not that brings me to, Taylor, you might want to put a disclaimer in here. <laughs> yeah, so before before we tell everyone, go empty your wallet, go buy Bitcoin, we do want to have a disclaimer. So just a reminder, this is, um, this is a fun podcast and it's definitely informative, but it's not meant to be direct individual advice. We do recommend reaching out to your financial team, or if you don't already have a financial team, feel free to reach out to us directly um, if you're looking for specific investment or financial advice. If you are looking for a financial team and you want to reach out to us, you can contact us on our website at www.altiusfinancial.com or you can reach us each individually through our emails. That's taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com. So let's, let's get on with this. Mike, I know you're we kind of joke sometimes about like the concept of like a gold bug, <laughs> but I feel you, you seem to be one of the most knowledgeable people of the history of money, the history of value um, that I've ever really spoken with. So do you want to kind of give people an overview of really where we started with, with the concept of money? Well, yeah, let's, let's, you know, make sure we're in the right context. You know, we're financial planners and investment advisors and, um, <clears throat> Yeah, a lot of times we'll start off an initial conversation with clients just trying to define what investments are. I mean, there's there's a difference between wealth and investing and money and currency and value. All those things are all those terms are related. But um, you know, ultimately, if you're a client who's doing a long term financial plan, uh, trying to build wealth for your own security, you're interested in lots of different kinds of things as far as how do how do you get you know, how do you store the value of your investments, uh, your money, and make sure you get a return of it and also a return on it. Um, and so it's interesting to, to talk about the history of money. Um, you know, money is a phenomenon that happened historically a long time ago with a division of labor economy. You know, when people were bartering, when they were trading uh, goods and services directly, there wasn't really um, the need for money. People would say, okay, I'll, I'll do some work on your house and you give me uh, a couple of chickens for it and we got a trade going. Uh, that was value for value. But when you get a, a more specialized economy where people are doing not, you know, just generally agricultural feed their family type of work, but much more specialized, um, you, you have this need for some kind of a, a commodity or some kind of a, an institution that says, Hey, we can track how how we trade, and you know if if I can save, you know if I can produce surplus value, and I don't have to I don't have to spend it all today, 
that's the you know the emergence of the idea of money um and there's all kinds of things that have served as money in the past dependent upon the kind of market you're in there were seashells and there were um lots of different kinds of commodities that did but ultimately thousands of years ago human beings settled on on precious metals as as real money um as they would melt it into coins or bars and uh and and that's for a reason because it's a very durable gold especially is, is very durable it's very homogenous um it can be melted into different kinds of quantities um and it's valuable it's rare uh, so people people naturally objectively decided the market so to speak decided freely that gold is a good money and that's that is like i said 5000 years of human history now there there are times when when kings would clip their coins and shave off the gold or shave <laughs> off the silver to try to cheat and and then and then ultimately you know, the problem with these metals is they're heavy and so you can't really carry them around and you know, it, it you can't carry a lot of wealth around um, like that it's not necessarily safe you might get robbed so and the unit to be able to trade with um invented the idea of saying okay we'll we'll have banknotes and we'll have paper notes so that you can you know they'll stand for gold but they won't be you know you're not having to carry around all that much gold yeah and so that's sort of the history of it now the US and much of the the western world for a while was on the gold standard meaning that governments actually recognized gold as money and they would back their currencies by having gold and precious metals now we've been off the gold standard for a long time much of the world operates on sort of a dollar standard a us dollar standard because we have the us has traditionally been a more responsible government not not necessarily recently but but uh you know for a long time it was a very responsible government re- recognizing contracts recognizing the role of trying to protect that value um but but again recently um we've gone to what we call a fiat money or paper money purely paper money exchange um for goods and services um and now we're in this new phase of where people are looking at maybe different kinds of money because they recognize the government's not necessarily protecting the value they're printing a lot of it they're borrowing and printing a lot of it out of thin air and that doesn't protect the value so the free market is sort of jumped in and said well maybe there's an alternative and that's where we get to this cryptocurrency concept and digital digital dollars or digital yeah. values i have my own opinions i'm 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 very uh, much a as most people who know me i'm very much a a fan not a fan an advocate a champion of laissez faire capitalism and and market phenomena like that so i think it's a good thing that there's the market is responding and saying we got to come up with different currencies that's what that's what uh you look for is innovation like that and this is an interesting innovation i personally haven't bought any digital money yet or cryptocurrencies or bitcoins but i'm looking at it and i think it'll be an interesting conversation why don't you you take a minute and give us a more thorough definition of what a cryptocurrency is yeah so um essentially bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency so mike kind of went through the origin and the history of money once we hit this point where the government wasn't backing the dollars with gold and essentially they could print as much as they want and determine the inflation determine what the value of your dollars are and how many dollars there are in the market someone decided you know i don't know that i want 
my government to decide if my dollars are worth less tomorrow or if they're worth more three weeks from now. Um, why don't we have something called decentralized banking? Why don't we get away from the central bank system and why don't we just do it ourselves? Why don't, how about let's make something else to hold our value? And so instead of saying, let's jump back to gold, now that people have kind of become comfortable with the concept of, okay, well, we do credit cards, we do online banking, we can pay through just the click of a button, why can't we do that with money? And so that was kind of the emergence of Bitcoin. It runs on this thing called the blockchain. And so the blockchain is this code network that essentially is a, it's what's called an open source network. So anyone can edit it. And um, the concept of what is called mining these coins is actually what you're doing is you're solving for an equation that essentially builds onto that chain of code. And I'm not a professional coder or anything. I don't, I'm going to yeah, just we'll tell, tell you guys. Of us are technology experts on this. <laughs> um, well, we, I think we understand conceptually the, the idea of what a blockchain is. Now, yeah. I wanted to interrupt you real briefly. You know, that's not the entire history. Part of it, all, it's decentralization. You're right, trying to get away from centralized banking. But it's also trying to have a way to do transactions that are more secret. You know, and, and yeah. originally, a lot of the cryptocurrencies were used to buy Contramatter by you know make trades that were not necessarily approved by the government. You know they're, they're potentially um, not quote legal trades. Yeah, that's the interesting thing because um, in studying up a bit for this podcast, I was trying to look into okay, well, what if I buy buy a Bitcoin or what if I buy an um, Ether Ethereum coin? What happens when that gains value? When you're looking at regulated stuff like if I buy one one share of Apple, when that grows in value and I sell it, there are a lot of regulators that are looking at that and going, well, Taylor made money, we need to tax it. It's a little bit harder with the Bitcoin technology because the way that it's set up, you can actually kind of essentially hide it. Um, and that is kind of also a, tech <laughs> a trick for how you keep it safe from other people hacking you as well. So um, it definitely was kind of started on the concept of um, yeah, keep it from the government. What can we buy and trade and not tell them about? But I think they have started to expand the process of how you are reporting what you're doing. So you're not, if you, if you want to do this and not buy drugs or trade contraband or move illegal things back and forth, you can definitely do this a legal way, a legal way, and then um, do your reporting properly to the government as far as gains and losses. Yeah, but it's it's kind of interesting. I, you said you don't have any Bitcoin. If you asked me a week ago, I would have said I don't have any Bitcoin. And um, in the process of studying this and talking with my fiance, who he's a much more of a techie type person, he he seems to have a better understanding for the underlying code of this and um, that technology. So in order to better inform ourselves, we actually just got a teeny bit. We, we're not buying thousands and thousands of dollars of it or something. We're not huge investors, but I think that's something I learned when I started as a financial advisor and as a financial investor was if you want to learn something, maybe put your money where your mouth is, maybe buy a little chunk of it. So when I started investing, I started an investment account and I bought a little bit of different equities. Now trying to un better understand cryptocurrency 
we've now kind of started to dabble a teeny bit into that as an investment. But it, it's definitely different. In when you're looking at investing in your portfolio, you just say, okay, well, I I pull up whatever type of account I have, however that is set up, and then I can invest directly through a custodian that allows me to do trading. When you're investing in a cryptocurrency, there's the whole concept of, okay, I've got to get a wallet to store it in, and I need a different wallet for the different types of coins. So if you have Bitcoin and Ether and Dogcoin and Weedcoin, and if you have all the different coins, then... Yeah, I think there's one. I think it's like Popcoin or we... I don't know. There's People are creating all kinds of... A bunch of them, yeah. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. And so it's interesting because you actually have to hold different wallets to... Um, to essentially hold on to these coins. And then you're wondering, okay, is someone gonna hack my wallet? Is, is someone gonna pickpocket me digitally? And so a lot of people have done what's called like creating a cold wallet. And so you're essentially taking your wallet, putting it on a, like a flash drive, and then taking it offline so that people can't take your money or your value. So Taylor, aside from, you know, wanting to learn, I, you know, I, I've always <laughs> preached that myself, although I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I've, I came close a couple of times because there's a lot of smart people I know who are, who are advocates of uh, cryptocurrencies, but I just haven't, haven't made the case to myself yet. But aside from you wanting to learn, why are you and Dave saying, well, yeah, this is making the case for, would you see it as a, as an investment? Do you see it as actually a currency? Do you see it as something that actually does, is going to be a good a protector or you know store of value how do you think of it yeah i i am still i mean i'm definitely still learning so i could say what my opinion is today and maybe a year from now i'll have an entirely different formulated opinion but kind of where i i'm coming at it at this point is i do think that a lot of our money is tied up in one government and so basically every time i get paid and my salary comes in every two weeks I get US dollars. Do I know that I think that the US dollar is the strongest dollar? I don't know, we keep printing money, we keep um, sending out these payments to um, like to help people out right now. I am wondering, okay, well, is there another opportunity to maybe have a stable, just a stable dollar? But I mean, if you look at the look at charts and trading on Bitcoin, it's anything but stable, right? I mean, it's, it bounces all over heck. Well, so then that's the other side is, okay, well, all my friends that I talk to are saying, oh, this is going to go to 300000 Why don't, Why don't you have it? Why didn't you buy it when it was only 20 bucks? I'm like, well, <laughs> I didn't think about it then, and I didn't understand the concept. So I think for me, the foundation is, oh, I like the idea of this as a dollar. I don't know if it'll be a usable, commonly exchanged means of money anytime soon, but I I do think at some point we'll probably have something along those lines. And then, okay, well, I'm not going to invest a ton because I don't know the answer. I don't know that this is a great investment. And the truth is it's a dollar. So a lot of what we do at Altius is we talk about investing in companies or equities because we're saying this is a company, it has a value, it's earning revenues. Currency isn't earning revenue. It's just like gold isn't earning revenue, dollars aren't earning a revenue. There's no guaranteed gain there. So you're essentially looking at, is someone willing to pay more for the dollar I bought? Yeah, that's that's an interesting point because you know, there, there are traditionally 
three roles for any kind of money out there. And I think sometimes people forget the most important one, which is as a store of value. And, you know, what's interesting is, well, the three, the three are, you know, it's got a store of value and then it's got to operate as a medium of exchange that you can, you know, trade. And then you can also third as a unit of account where, where you can, like I said, you could trade chickens for services or cows or, or cars or whatever. You don't have to, you don't have to trade that way. You, you can use it as a unit of account, but the first one, the store of value is unique. Um, Cause it basically boils down to, and this is a phrase I like to use. It's, it's an Ayn Rand quote, but money is a, it's a, is a frozen form of productive energy. So when you work for your paycheck or any of our clients work for the money that they earn, they're basically saying, well, okay, I've got some money I, and this is my life. I, I, I worked for it. I, I put energy into my job or into my entrepreneurial activities. I, you know, that was energy I put out and I got something back and it's storing that energy and I don't want to spend it right now. I'm, I'm going to defer it for my retirement or I'm going to re- defer it for some savings goal that I have. I'm not going to spend it today. So I want that, whatever it is I'm using to store the value. And this whole idea of value is interesting because, you know, there's traditionally sort of two ideas of value in economics. One is use value. Like, you know, I can, I can use it like, you know, I, I can consume it or, or I can use it, put some utility in it, or I can exchange it with other things. I can, you know, again, again going back to that medium of exchange. And, but the question is, does it, does a, a cryptocurrency have that store of value? You know, will it store the value? Well, so when I look at it, I'm thinking, okay, each cryptocurrency itself kind of has an underlying value per se. So um, Bitcoin- Not as a use value, right? But as an exchange value. Well, kind of as a use value as well. I think the Bitcoin is founded off of that blockchain type of technology. And so it's got that underlying blockchain value. And I do believe that the future hopefully holds this as an opportunity to have a better opportunity for people to be direct buyer to seller exchanges. And I think that that kind of technology will help provide for that. Um, So I think having the underlying value of that as a resource that can be transitioned into other markets down the road kind of creates a value. Um, So I guess that's a a means, a use means. but like you've often said, if you don't know for sure, you want to diversify. So one thing that we've done is, A, we're not buying a ton because we don't know. But B, we are diversifying. So we're investing in a few different things. Because what if this is a good idea, but the other one's a better idea? So there's lots of different coins. The top two biggest ones are the Bitcoin and the Ether or the Ethereum. The Ether concept was actually looking at the computer systems and saying that, okay, well, when you write down code, that code should mean law. That should just be exactly what it is. And so this can be great if you wanted to be a lawyer and say, I'm writing down, here's a, I don't know, agreement for a new business, or here's a divorce decree, and it's written in code. You can't adjust it. As soon as it's published, it is what it is. And I think that's kind of an interesting concept to say that, okay, well, can that be transferred into different application and can it be well done? So if I like these two different ideas, then at least I'm going 50-50 on a bet versus putting all my eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. 
Yeah. But, I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I think it's very interesting, and I would like to see where the world is heading with this. Um, and maybe it'll be something entirely different. Maybe we'll go to, I don't know, plants might be the value. Maybe it'll go back to tulips. <laughs> I don't know if you heard of tulipomania. <laughs> I hope not there. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of reference to the, uh, the grand tulip bubble. Uh, you know, it's amazing how many bubbles there have been throughout history. You know, people talk about stock market bubbles, but for those of uh, our audience who don't know the story, there was, you know, the, in, in the Netherlands, there was this grand bubble of people buying tulips and placing that kind of value. And they, they would buy like a box of tulips would be worth more than someone's house. Yeah. And so that, to me, that's, that's kind of a, a craze. It's a, it's a, it's a, in fact, the, the best documentation of the bubbles that I've seen is a book called extraordinary popular delusions and the madness of crowds. And that's, he's, you know, in the title, it's telling you, you know, people, people are letting their emotions get away with it just so that they get this craze of, I got to have tulips, I got to have tulips, or I've got to have, you know, maybe Bitcoin, or I've got to yeah. have, you know, in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was the dot-com stocks. And we've seen bubbles in real estate, and we've seen, you know, uh, values get way out of whack, at least according to some. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting that you bring up that, uh, going back to tul tulips. Um, well, that's, it's kind of similar to that, because I think, if you were back in that generation and someone gave you a beautiful tulip and you had just heard about all these tulips, you'd be going, oh my gosh, this is the most wonderful gift I've ever received. They just gave me a house. And um, so I, I wonder if, if crypto technology is going to be something of a, okay, this is a fad, it's fun, and it gets passed along, or if it's going to be something that sticks more like dollar currency. I do believe that it's going to stick, but how strong it sticks, if it's something that's commonly used or just still kind of playing on the side rolls as a backup dollar, I can't know that for sure. Well, the interesting thing is it's, it's in my mind, it's definitely a, a market phenomenon, innovation in response to irresponsible governments with regard to their fiat currencies. And uh, I'm, yeah, as you know, I'm more of a fan of uh, precious metals in that way because they have a long track record of actually really truly storing the value. And, and that's what's interesting is you can kind of go back for thousands of years and say, okay, what did this commodity or basic service cost in gold? And it basically is the same thing today. It's a very stable value um, throughout history. Now, that doesn't mean it always will be, um, but it's got, a, it's got a track record. And that's kind of why I'm a fan of it. Yeah, so I know that um, we've talked about the potential of looking at precious metals as, okay, this is a store of value. It could be a good investment strategy to hold X percent of your net worth in precious metals. Do you feel that a portion of that should be held to crypto? Or do you think that that is like, outrageous to... Well, I wouldn't necessarily count it as, I mean, in the same category as precious metals, but I am open to the idea of saying, I, I do think you're right. I think there's going to be an adoption over time of some kind of crypto thing. Uh, I would prefer to see one that there's like, and then I know there's, there's innovations going on where there are companies who are trying to combine the, the track record of, of precious metals and the innovation and portability and the blockchain technology of a crypto. And I think that's probably, you know, as far as I, my limited ability to think ahead, uh, is probably got some real potential. Um, 
and I'm open to it. I'm open to even, even, you know, something that just like Bitcoin or something like that to, to have it, um, to learn about it. But it, I just, so far it's been more of in the tool category for me that it's, it's a craze. Um, and I don't see the real, you know, we, we use in value investing, we use this concept. Sometimes it's misunderstood, but this idea of intrinsic value, you know, it, it has, you know, value in and of itself. And I think gold does have that. Um, it has an actual intrinsic value. It's, it's objective in relationship to reality. Um, and this may get too philosophical, but you know, we are both spiritual and, uh, and material beings. Um, and gold itself is a material, the, the Bitcoin crypto thing isn't, you know, it's more on the spiritual side. Uh, it's, it's not something you can hold on to or perceive in reality. Um, so I'm, I'm still skeptical. So since it's still kind of on the spiritual side to you, do you feel that if we hit a point where now this technology, the underlying technology, the blockchain is being utilized in everyday society, would you change your opinion? You know, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. And I think, I think that's probably the real potential in terms of uh, protecting contracts and having, having uh, better tracking of those kinds of things. And I've seen where lots of companies are actually utilizing the blockchain for that purpose, but not necessarily for a store of value or a monetary unit. Um, but you're right. If it's got that kind of utility, then maybe it does become uh, more and more accepted as a, as a way to store value. I, I do think that the, the question of volatility is, is a big one, but that you also have that with gold in one sense, because gold in terms of dollars does bounce around. And that's what we're seeing with uh, cryptocurrency as well. I just don't see the, you know, going back to that mind body thing, I, you know, we're not, we're not ghosts and, and we're not zombies. You know, we're both, you know, uh, right here and now material people and we'd have to live in this world and gold is a real thing in the real world. Uh, and, and had that kind of acceptance because of its unique qualities. It's not like people just could make it up and say, well, we're, this is what we're going to have. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like with cryptocurrencies. Well, we're just kind of making it up versus no, this is a real thing in reality. This is a real element that has this kind of quality. It has this kind of rarity, this kind of uh, visual appeal to a human eye. And, and um, so that's, again, maybe I'm stuck in the old way of thinking. Well, I'm just kind of curious to see if we were to listen to this podcast 10 years from now, what we're going to be saying, if we're, if you're going to say, Oh, yeah, I was right. Taylor, you shouldn't have even wasted a hundred bucks. You wasted all your money. That was dumb. Or if you're going to be saying, ah, oh, darn, I, I should have bought it all. <laughs> Pull out the truck. <laughs> right. I bet it'll be a mixture of both. I mean, my, my bet is that we'll still have a lot the gold itself, uh, as a monetary unit, we'll still have a lot of, uh, adherence. Uh, I don't think that the nature of the world will change in a hundred years or 10 years uh, that way. Now a hundred years is a long time. So maybe, maybe with uh, mining asteroids, they'll find something different, you know, with the different kind of mining techniques that'll go on in the next century. You know, there may be other materials that are discovered. There may be other, other, you know, atomic or mo molecules out there that actually will function better. It's hard for me to imagine that, but I also, I can't imagine, like you said, that that this kind of technology will be utilized more, more accepted. And that's part of it too. I mean, you know, if people accept tulips um, and they do end up having 
you know, a medium of exchange value for people on a permanent basis if people just continue to say, because that's what people a lot of times will characterize gold as. Well, we just accept that. Or even dollars. You know, we just kind of accept the promise of our government. You know, there's these paper dollars with green little green pieces of paper with dead presidents on it, right? And um, hopefully I'll put a, put a plug in for Harriet Tubman here. I don't know if you've heard that controversy. They're trying to put Harriet Tubman on the uh, on the $20 bill, which I think is a good idea. Oh, nice. <laughs> it just popped into my head because, you know, you think of male uh, dead presidents being on our currency but but people accept that right they just accept that um in trade and i think it's really healthy for people to say well is this worth it and i think over time there probably will be more acceptance to this kind of market innovation especially when you talk about that it does have you know it does have you know sort of a privacy thing but also sort of a transparency thing right that's the blockchain the genius of the blockchain it has both right yeah well, so what would you say to our listeners if, um, say, I just tuned in, I listened to this episode, I saw the title and thought, oh, I, I think I want to buy some crypto. And now what is your advice? Is, are you going to say, no, nah, don't do it? Or are you going to say, at max, do it at this kind of level? What would be your insight on, like, as from an investor perspective? Well, from an investor perspective, and this is true of, you know, I, you use the term gold bug, and I don't see myself as a gold bug at all. I know. Um, <laughs> there are people out there who, who advocate having all your wealth in gold, and I think that's silly. Um, the, the best assets, and you and I have talked about this before, and I preach it to you, the, you know, the best assets, and again, with all due disclaimers, we don't want to give any specific advice, but the best assets out there are good, solid, productive companies because they're the ones that actually are utilizing the human mind the best to provide goods and services and they produce actual values in the world. They create real surplus value. That's what we mean by profit. And those are the best things to invest in if you can find the ones that are well run and, and stand the test of time. Um, so what I would tell people is, you know, make sure you're building an equity portfolio, make sure you're building a financial plan based on what your needs are. Um, you know, you wanna have that store of value, you wanna have some savings first, and. Unfortunately, you oftentimes do have to have it in, in form of dollars, uh, but dollars are at least right now more stable than uh, in terms of short-term value than um, than a cryptocurrency or a piece of gold. Yeah, and so well, you build it from the you know, from the bottom up, and we have a whole we and, and any good financial advisor has a whole regimen of saying here's how you here's, here's how you buy build your financial diet. You know, here's here the here are the components, here are the ingredients that you Need to, need to put together for you to build a portfolio given your circumstances right now because everyone's circumstances you know in terms of the amount of wealth they have and the kind of risk they can take on these kinds of volatile assets is is potentially different and i i would emphasize the last bit of what you just said is the okay well how much risk are you comfortable taking what happens if what you put into any kind of investment cuts in half or cuts all the way down to zero is that something you're comfortable with? And are you aware of the level of risk you're taking on that investment? Yeah, and that's, that is the thing is sometimes people vote for, you know, I want, I want to see stable value. And that's what it feels like if you say, you know, I, I have a money market account or a bank account because it doesn't, the statement doesn't go down the next month. Yeah. You know, maybe it does get inflated away over time. But it doesn't go down and you know we've seen some real volatility in certain stocks in fact we, i wanted to make sure we touched on this this whole GameStop uh phenomena where people are 
you know, driving prices up and trying to trying to put it to Wall Street uh, short short traders. Um, you know, did, is GameStop a much more valuable company this much? You know, seven hundred percent or something over the last uh, six months or a year? Is it is it worth that much more of a company today because people are bidding it up? Um, you know, that's risk on the upside. You know, for anyone who purchased GameStop. Um, again, I'm using that as an example, but uh, as an example, not not as a recommendation at all. Um, what what is the risk tolerance and what is the actual risk? I mean. Um, that's what a person has to understand more about what they actually own. And, and maybe other people are bidding it up or down. That doesn't necessarily mean that the value's gone up or down Yeah. to them. Well, and maybe why did you invest in it? All right. For those of you who might have actually bought GameStop or the AMC stuff recently, I believe a lot of that started from people just saying, oh, we're worried they're going to get shorted to the extent that they might just come out of the market entirely. So are you essentially trying to save the blockbuster that didn't make it? Or <laughs> is it okay if you just throw in your money as if it's charity and it might go back to zero anyways? Or are you looking at it as, oh, everyone's buying this, my money's gonna go up and hopefully I get out before everyone stops putting money into it. And yeah, I think that- Greater pool theory. Yeah, and that just is a, that's oftentimes a much greater risk than people are comfortable swallowing when it comes down to it and you start to see the numbers that were going up start to climb back down. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I would say about this, um, yeah, the, the, the last few days have been interesting to watch those, those stocks that are being traded that way on, on rumors, on social, social media rumors and strategy and you know it's interesting to watch because it's sort of a democratization or you know they they're calling it the, like the french revolution of uh, trading which is not necessarily a good connotation but just in watching that part of the phenomena is just even more going back to how much money how much money is awash in our system you know are are the there is some culpability in my mind at the monetary authorities who keep you know keep uh trying to solve problems by printing more, by borrowing more, and by creating more liquidity. They're, they're trying, our Federal Reserve is trying to create more inflation. It's infusing the economy with trillions of dollars of liquidity. And that liquidity is is kind of, you know, chasing chasing things like GameStop or chasing, you know, maybe even the broader technology stock market. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of appreciation since the downturn early in the spring with the pandemic. And a lot of that I think is based upon potentially you know, artificial value with uh, an inflationary expansion of the money supply. And just for those of you who are listening and said, okay, he just had like 10 words that went over my head. <laughs> um, what Mike said in layman's terms is people are getting stimulus checks or are getting more money and now they're putting it into the stock market or into investments that that might be artificially, so not naturally making it look like they're worth more than they might actually be worth. Yeah, it's a good way to summarize it. So one thing I just, before we did any kind of closure or anything, I wanted to ask your thoughts on what's going on with the GameStop situation from a like government and economy and trading, free trade situation, because it's also been interesting to see, like I saw posts of like, um, what, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, Robin Hood was basically saying, oh, well, you can't hold this holding anymore. We sold it for you. You'll see the trade the trade processed anyways. 
So they're kind of taking over your free trade. Um, I've heard stuff about the government starting to bail out some of the people who were shorting the stock because they kind of got in trouble with that investment. I, In my heart, I feel like, okay, well, if you make an investment, you're investing because you're comfortable with the potential risk. So if you shorted something, you're comfortable with the potential risk that you won't be right. If you're buying an investment, you're comfortable with the risk that hopefully it goes up, but maybe it doesn't, and maybe you lose your money. I am curious what your thoughts are when it seems like now people are controlling that decision for you or controlling that decision for investors, especially when people getting into the concept of investing and maybe this was their start to that and now they're getting told, no, you can't hold this investment. Yeah, I think that's a re it's a really fascinating thing to watch right now. I don't know that I've seen any, you know, quote, bailouts from the government, but the government, the SEC is watching things closely and they're trying to say, well, maybe we need to step in and, and do more regulation, which, you know, I'm against. I, mm -hmm. I am against any kind of regulation. You know, I, I obviously we're part of the the whole uh, financial structure and we have to adhere to the laws and, and we do. But in terms of uh, advocacy, I'm for a free market, and I think should, people should be able to trade like they have been. Now, you know, it's there are lots of people trying to get rich quick on this one, and if they're if they're investing based on a rumor from a social media site, that's not necessarily the wisest way to invest. Yeah. And those platforms like Robinhood or whatever, they can set their own rules. Those are private entities as well, and they can say, and they have in their contracts. You know, we 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 can allow trading in this in this stock or not. So they have they can set their own rules, and as long as those are disclosed, then you know a person who's got an account on that has to live with them. So it's interesting on both sides. I think I think the government should stay out of it, but I also think there there does need to be full disclosure um, of what those rules are. And you know, uh, you, I think you should let the buyer beware. People people can trade how they want to, and if if there are institutional shorts out there which I think serve a re really good function. I mean, people vilify uh, these institutions that short stocks and make them go down, but they're trying to provide information. And, and that's, a, that's a crucial function of prices, is giving us information about what's going on with a company if it's being well-managed. I don't know enough about GameStop to know if it's a company that should go down or up. I, I, I seriously doubt it's worth what it is today being traded <laughs> for today. And I think it's interesting how you know, those rumors have just pushed it up. It does, it does say to me, you know, we don't have efficiency in the markets today um, and we don't ever have pure efficiency anyway i again i think we if we have if there's more freedom and more ability to trade and again no fraud but um the ability for people to express their values then you get closer to uh, efficiency and the market prices and and that's that's the beauty of a of a free market is you get you know, values being expressed by people saying, this is what I think this is worth, whether I think it's, I want to short it because it's a bad company and it should go down or whether I think, no, it's a good company that should be saved. And I want to, I want to buy more of it. Um, you know, again, it should be, it should be free. Um, and the, the phenomenon of the social media thing, we saw this with the election, we've seen it in politics and, you know, the government trying to say, we're going to regulate speech. You know, I think that's bad. Uh, you know, obviously, there, there's a point at which, you know, if someone's being defrauded, the government does have a role. Um, yeah. But otherwise, people should be able to express their opinions, both in terms of what they say on these sites and how they trade. Yeah. Is that, does that answer the question? Are you, gonna, you probably need to interpret that again. <laughs> no, I think, I think that makes sense. My kind of continuance on that is I wonder if people are seeing 
okay, well, the government just keeps regulating everything. I'm trying to find an opportunity to make money, and I feel like I'm getting regulated out of that. And so that's where I wonder, are people going to be more drawn to crypto-type currencies because they don't have that regulation? But on the flip side, no one's going to bail you out if you lose all your money. And no one's going to give you your money back if you lose your key and your money's just gone forever. Well, and that's, you know, that sounds brutal uh, to say, but that's that's what a free market is, is where you yeah. are a grown-up and you have to make your own decisions and value decisions for yourself. And if, if you don't feel comfortable, you either don't go into that market or you hire someone who has more experience than you do. Um, but what's interesting is also this is exposing sort of the cronyism that sometimes goes on. You know, there are people out there who are saying, wait, we have, you know, we're hedge funds and we have a right to make money. And these little guys that are coming along and collectivizing, it's almost like they're unionizing against us. And it, you know, it's not fair. Well, it is fair. They, they can do that as well. There should be no protection on the government's, you know, the government shouldn't be protecting large, there should be no such thing as too big to fail, anything like that. You know, people should be able to trade values. And, and as long as the government's role is to, to just to make sure there's no violation of rights, including fraud. Yeah, I would definitely agree. With and that, that has to be proven. That has to be proven. If you're, if you're accusing someone of defrauding you, you have to be able to make that case. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I if do we're think. helping people about the, again, I, I, I think the, uh, the whole idea of an innovation like the blockchain and cryptocurrencies is a good a good thing. It's a response to uh, it's a response to our government uh, not protecting the value of our currency and and not really adhering to the gold standard that really did protect the value for a long time. Now again, I'm not necessarily for a gold standard. I don't think the government should have a standard. I'm for free banking. I'm for, for I'm for the wild west of uh, letting people uh, decide and and you know, then people really have to live off of their reputation um, and that's that's the hard thing is being able to say okay can this company, this person be trusted uh, to do what they say they were going to do? Are they keeping their promises? Yeah. Versus some veneer of a regulation really protecting you when it can't. Well, and now I kind of, the more I think about it, the more I start to wonder, will we see a future where, um, like in, in college and a little bit in high school economics, we talked about trading just regular currency. So maybe you're buying a little bit of yen, a little bit of euros, some Canadian dollars. Um, I wonder if we will see a future where people are trying to diversify their dollars, their store of value between different countries' currencies and different cryptocurrencies to have kind of more control over, okay, what what is this worth and what is the risk I'm willing to take? I think growing up, I just like you said, I always thought, oh, it's a dollar and a dollar is a dollar. And sometimes they're worth less and sometimes they're worth more, but I didn't really notice until I got older. So I think- and, you know, my experience with uh, trading currencies is, is, is extremely difficult to do that. Um, it's, it's really hard to know when, and this is true of timing in general, but it's really even more so with uh, currencies to be able, because it's, it's not like the, the currencies themselves are producing value. Um, that's why I've always stuck to more of the hard currency, you know, the, the precious metal side of things. And, and then, you know, focus my value creation in, in equities, you know, where, where we can say, let's, let's look at a company that actually produces a real value in the world versus a currency that's supposed to just store value. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see, to see where things head. Um, 
For those of you who maybe don't feel that we answered the question, we're not saying you can't buy cryptocurrency. Um, I mean, I did buy a little bit this this week, so. But we're not buying it for clients yet. In fact, you yeah. know, there are a couple of uh, unique, um, there are starting to be developments of like an ETF or there are companies out there, investment companies that are offering pro products that have cryptocurrency in it. But so on one hand, you can go out to, like you said, the, you know, the, the open market and buy and create your own wallet and get on uh, a crypto exchange. A person can do that. We're not doing that for clients at this point. Uh, you know, we don't have any coin base type of account set up for people. And we're not likely to do that anytime soon. We may watch and see if there's an ETF that actually tracks uh, some uh, cryptocurrencies. So far, the, the regulators haven't really approved that. And I think it's because they're still trying to catch up with the whole the whole technology in the first place. And, you know, there's there's talk of even the Federal Reserve creating its own uh, digital currency, which to me is really, you know, kind of an interesting thing. And, and that's what ha happens a lot of times. The best ideas get uh, co-opted by <laughs> by government so they can uh, so they can control them um but Which, we'll see I, you know again we're open to talking to clients about it and making sure that they have uh full information and education about it and see if we can help them uh um diversify in lots of ways yeah and like you just said we're not saying oh this isn't going to be a big portion of anyone's retirement accounts that's just not the altius strategy we focus on value and things that store and grow value um but we're not condemning people who want just a little bit or maybe want to start studying it up and deciding if this is something that they want a little bit of in i don't know in their personal wallet so thanks everyone for listening to our podcast just a quick reminder we are on week five of our 53 week finance challenge and we invite you to follow like and friend us on instagram and facebook to follow along for those of you who are looking for those platforms, they're on Altius Financial, all one word, A-L-T-I-U-S Financial. We're reminding you this on the podcast, but it's typically released every two weeks. And so if you go to our social media, you can see every Monday we'll post what that week's challenge is. They're pretty simple and can typically be done in a matter of minutes at max an hour. So this week's challenge is to check your credit score. It definitely sounds simple enough. Maybe you've already done it this week. Maybe you already know exactly what your credit score is at, but it's great to keep an eye on how your credit score is doing. Is it higher or lower than the last time you saw it? Are you maybe planning to have a big purchase or some kind of large investment in the next few months or years? So do you need to work on building your credit? Our thought with this is just kind of helping to make sure you're engaged on kind of next next steps in your financial planning and how to build a baseline for that. As a reminder, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, feel free to reach out to us directly, michael at altiusfinancial.com or taylor at altiusfinancial.com. Also feel free to check out our website, altiusfinancial.com. Thank you guys for joining us. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Thank you.